Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. I want to uh, start this morning by taking a poll of sorts. Um, how many of us have used the phrase, or maybe had the phrase used on us, uh, this hurts me more than it hurts you? Any, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of hands go up. I'm guessing that, that most of us have, have heard that phrase, or like I said, or had it used on us at some point or another. I was thinking about that phrase this week, I, I reached out to some friends of mine who are older, and they would say wiser than I am, and, and to, to get their experience with, with that phrase, and they told a lot of stories to me that were related to parenting in one way or another. And for the most part, when, when a parent makes that statement to their child, I think they do truly mean it. Uh, my friends told stories of taking their kids to the doctor. And having to watch their children be in pain and having to say to them, you know, th- this hurts me more than it hurts you. Uh, one friend told me the story of a time when one of his sons had a splinter in his finger. And in the process of having to, to pull that out and, and watching his son in pain and his son begging him to stop, please, and yet knowing at the same time that even though this hurt really bad and even though he was the one inflicting the pain, at the end of the day leaving that splinter in there and allowing it to become infected was going to cause a lot more, a lot more harm than, than the pain of the moment of pulling out that splinter. And if you've been the one on the receiving end of that statement, this hurts me more than it hurts you, I would be willing to bet that you've had the reaction, at least internally, of, are, are you sure? I mean, you probably didn't say it out loud. That's why I said internally, because you were fearing for your life, especially if you were a child. You didn't want to bring about any more pain. But, but there's a, a feeling when you hear that statement that while you're the one physically suffering, you hear that statement, and it usually causes us to think, well, if that's the case, how about we trade, if, that, if that's really true? Because if, if you're a kid in trouble, and you're being disciplined, being told by a parent, this hurts me more than it hurts you, really just kind of feels like a twist of the knife. Discipline, correction, is never enjoyable, at least in my experience. And the person doing the the correcting might tell you they are not enjoying it, but it sure can't seem like they are. As we continue this series through Psalm 23 this morning, I want us to keep that thought about, about correction in mind. Because when you're a kid, correction never seems beneficial, only painful. But hopefully, with with the aid of of age and hindsight, we can come to see the value of correction. Because even if it might seem cruel and unusual in the moment, as we get older, maybe as you have your own kids, you start to see that parents and teachers, those in authority, maybe knew a little more than, than you gave them credit for at the time. Only a little more. And we see something similar with the portion of Psalm 23 I want us to focus in on this morning. But before we go further with that thought, let's take a moment and recite Psalm 23 together like we've done each week of this series, if you'll follow along with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you notice, as we recited the words of Psalm 23 just now, right there in verse 4, where we're going to be camping out today, a shift occurs. Up until this point, King David has been speaking in the third person. He's been speaking to his readers. He's been speaking to us about who God is. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He tells us that fact. He tells us that because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He wants us to know that. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. That's all in the third person speaking to us about God. But in verse 4, David shifts into the second person. He moves from talking to us about God to speaking to God directly. All the facts laid out about who God is in verses 1 to 3, about his leadership, about the refreshment he provides, about how he guides us along his paths, it all leads to verse 4. Even though we might walk through the darkest valley, or maybe you're more familiar with an older translation, you expect the phrase there that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, those being led by God fear no evil because of the confidence of knowing that God is with us. Not ahead of us, shouting for us to catch up. Not behind us, only telling us what we need to know, when we need to know it. With us, alongside us, guiding us along. And the way God gives that guidance, David says there in verse 4, is with the rod and the staff, which were the typical tools of the shepherd in the ancient world. And I was able to get a picture this week of what a rod and a staff would have looked like. This is from a friend of mine who keeps these in his office. I don't know if he uses them or not, but he had them in his office, and he sent me a picture of them this week. And you can see that the rod, the shorter thing there, almost looks like a a miniature baseball bat. At least that's how I've been thinking of it this week. And it would have been used for uh, protection, for defense against predators. And the staff, the taller thing there with the crook on it is probably what you picture, depending on how often you think about shepherds and such things. But that would have been used as a walking stick, especially through the hilly country of the land of Israel, for getting around and guiding the sheep. But because of its length, you can see there, it also would have been used to reach out and help guide the flock along. But also with that crook at the top, it could be used to pull back a sheep who was wandering off. And it could also be used for singling one out of the flock when you needed to, to separate one out. You reach around and and get a sheep by the neck. I'm not sure if they enjoy it or not, but... um, but it could be used for that purpose. Now, I couldn't get a sheep and a shepherd's rod and staff here this week, and so we're going to try something a little different to try to get the point across of what David would have had in mind about how a rod and staff would have been used. Uh, Like I've shared with you all before, I grew up on a cattle farm, so when I read about herding animals in Scripture, that's where my mind goes most of the time. 
And we're mainly looking at that angle of correction of the shepherd this morning, so I'm going to need some help. So Nolan and Becca are going to come up here, and they're going to help me out real quick. And Nolan and Becca brought some props that they promised to be careful with. If they, they brought some cattle prods here this morning. I've been promised it's not going to be used on me. I, I don't, Carrie said she was going to take the batteries out of them. I don't know if they did or not. But for those of you that might not be acquainted with something like this, uh, you use a cattle prod to uh, move cows along because sometimes cows are stubborn. Sometimes the only way you can get them to move is to, is to give them a little, a little shock, which is what the end of this is for. Now, full disclosure, when I was a kid, my grandpa did not like these at all. He was a better man than I am. Um, and so he didn't want to use these. He thought it was too mean, too painful for the cows. He didn't want, to, didn't want to, to use them or anything like that, which really just meant that they weren't used as long as he was around. And so now that you know, he's gone on to be with the Lord, well, you know, sometimes things happen because cows are stubborn. But anyway, because, yes, a cattle prod is a little painful. Nolan, have either of you ever been shocked by one? You have? He has. I haven't. Okay. Oh, you shocked yourself? Oh, your cousin shocked you. Okay. Has... okay. So Becca's never been shocked by one. Sean Carey, has she ever needed to be shocked by one? Or... Yeah. They couldn't catch you? We could try that later if you wanted. Oh, so. Nolan, Becca, how does a cow normally react when you, when you hit them with one of these? Sometimes they get scared, sometimes they get mad. Any, anything you want to add to that, Becca? They can hurry as fast as they can and get far enough in front of you. Yeah, they try to get away. They try to move away. And so most of the time when those are used, at least when they should be used, what are they being used for? To move them along and things like that. So if God is a good shepherd, like we've been talking about throughout this series... And he's using something like this sort of to guide us. What might that tell us about how God takes care of us? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we need God to guide us and direct us onto the right path, even if it's uncomfortable. You have any, that's all. You, you don't have anything to add, Becca. Should have just let you guys preach this morning. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming up here. You can put those away or probably don't take them with you back to your seat, but um, you can set those back down there. Thank you guys. Should you give Nolan and Becca a hand? <laughs> so why does, this mat- why does all that matter for Psalm 23, other than I wanted you to be able to go to lunch and say you saw two cattle prods at church this morning? Well... Because just like how someone who truly wants what is best for their cattle, even if they have to use a cattle prod that's a little painful to get them there, David is saying to us in verse 4, God uses all of the tools at his disposal to guide us into what he has called us to be. That truth is why David is able to make the assertion he makes at the beginning of verse 4. 
It is because our good shepherd uses the rod and the staff for guidance and for correction that David is able to say that even if we are making our way through the darkest valley, even if we are making our way through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not fear because our God is with us. Our God is with us. And through the rod and the staff, he is able to provide defense against enemies, protection from predators, guidance when we go astray, and guidance when the path seems unsure. Our shepherd always goes with us. And my guess is that if you're anything like me, when you hear guidance and correction, one of those terms sounds a lot more comforting than the other, because guidance sounds pretty nice. Uh, When I was in college, I had an academic advisor. I'm sure if you went to college, you had one as well. And it was always a good thing to be able to go to an academic advisor and and say to them and have them tell you, these are the classes I need to take. To be able to graduate, these, this is what fits into your schedule. These are professors I would recommend. This is what I would suggest you, you do in this next semester of classes. When we read about the rod and the staff, we can, we can think about having guidance like that, someone making suggestions, recommendations to us, sounds really nice, and that's absolutely true. God goes with us along the way, protecting us from enemies like the good shepherd that he is. But being a good shepherd also brings with it the need for correction, which, at least most of the time, is not nearly as enjoyable. Correction is less going to the office of a mentor or an advisor for guidance, and it's a lot more like being sent to the principal's office, being told that you've done something wrong and need to change your ways. And no one really enjoys a trip to the principal's office, I don't think. And by the time we reach adulthood, most of us think we've got things figured out. We don't need any more correction. We don't want to be told that we're wrong and we need to change anything about us. If we had our choice, I think most reasonable people would rather surround themselves with people who are always just going to tell us yes or always going to tell us that we're great. We don't need anything but to be praised all the time and we're wonderful just as we are. We don't want people around us constantly pointing out our faults, telling us that we need to do things differently. And when we are corrected, our default setting can be to get defensive we don't like it. We, don't, we want to turn right around and point out the faults in whoever's correcting us. We want to get angry. We want to ignore them. We want to write them off completely. Yet, if we're honest with ourselves, correction is what's best for us, even if it might not seem like it in the moment. When I take my car into the shop to get the oil changed, there's always a little bit of anxiety in the back of my head that this is going to turn into a bigger ordeal. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there, they're going to find something else, and it's going to go from being there for an hour to being there, having the car there for weeks and having to go through all that and it costing a whole lot more money than you had planned and everything that comes with that. But if I'm being honest, I wouldn't prefer the alternative, and I don't think you would either. You, you wouldn't want the mechanic to say to you, wow, I have never seen a car kept in such immaculate shape as yours. This is the best car I've ever seen. Everything looks great. Have a nice day. And the brakes go out on your way home. A little bit of an ego boost, a little bit of a mechanic making you feel loved and excited isn't doing a whole lot of good if it ends up with you crashing your car. And that is why we need a shepherd who both guides us and corrects us. God does not correct us because he's waiting for us to step out of line and he wants to jump on us and point out our faults. He corrects because he is a good shepherd. That is why we can agree with David and say that it is a comfort that our shepherd has both a rod and a staff. 
Not just a rod that keeps enemies away, and not just a stick to guide us along where we need to go, but a staff that can also pull us back when we begin to wander away and need correction. And if that's the case, if God is correcting us and keeping us on the right path, then where is that path leading? So to help us see the value of correction, I just want to flip over to Hebrews chapter 12 for a few moments. Now you might know the letter of Hebrews was written to a group of Christians that were wandering, wandering away, were wondering if following Jesus was really worth it in the face of persecution and issues. And this letter is written to remind them that Jesus can be trusted and therefore they need to hold on to him. So let me read for us Hebrews 11 verses 5, Hebrews 12, excuse me, verses 5 to 11. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Every, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes Discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Hebrews uses that word discipline instead of the word correction we've been using this morning, but it's getting at that same point. Our shepherd corrects, our shepherd disciplines because of his love for us. And because that's the case, we can trust that God is in control when life does not go our way. When we, come, when we come to terms with our sin, that guy sounded like he knew what he was talking about. When we come to terms with our sin, it can feel like there is a staff around our neck choking us as we are being pulled back into line by the shepherd, and that might be painful. The correction of the shepherd might be painful. But it's not as painful as being allowed to wander off and fall off a cliff. I have a scar on my knuckle here, on my right index finger. And if I remember right, I was probably around 14 years old. And I got a little too close to a bench grinder in the machine shed at my grandpa's. And when that happened, I, I remember my grandpa took me to his house. He went in the bathroom and he got out a tube of iodine. Yeah. <laughs> now, at no point, at no point in his life was my grandpa ever going to win an award for his bedside manner. So I don't really remember being told anything. I remember seeing this tube that was definitely older than I was, and if I had to bet, was older than my dad. And I remember just being told to hold still, and he put it on my knuckle, and thinking that you probably should have just cut the finger off there because that would not have hurt as bad. But the pain in the short term was far better than leaving the wound untreated. It was far better to you know, have all my fingers on my right hand instead of losing one. 
a correction needed to take place. And that correction didn't feel good, but it was necessary and it was worth it. And our God has not called us to happiness, but to holiness. And most of the time, I'm speaking from experience, most of the time happiness is more appealing. It sounds simpler. We like a God that is going to pat us on the head and let us do whatever we want and clean up the mess that we have made for us so that we don't have to deal with any of the consequences. Holiness sounds more difficult. Holiness sounds like growing and changing. It sounds like taking off old habits and our default settings and being transformed into becoming more like Christ. Holiness involves being set apart by God from the world for the purposes to which He has called us. He's called us to walk with Him and reflect His light to the world. Holiness involves correction from our Good Shepherd. Holiness involves more than a pat on the head and Sometimes it feels something more like being grabbed by the shepherd's staff and pulled back onto the right path. And when that is what we are faced with, we don't always want to jump right into it. When we come to terms with the depths of our sin, when we find something in us or have something pointed out to us that is not like Christ and that needs to be corrected, when the shepherd starts directing us and correcting us, we might default into wanting to be stubborn and remaining as we are because it's more comfortable, it's what we know, but it is not what is best for us long term. Holiness might not sound as appealing or as exciting, but it is what we have been created for. And it's where we find life with our shepherd. Because the comfort of the shepherd comes through the correction of the shepherd. If we're going to talk throughout this series about the Lord being our shepherd, what we are also implying with that imagery is that we are the sheep. I pulled a resource off my shelf this week and just started reading through uh, how the imagery of sheep is used throughout the Bible. And, And it said, sheep tend to be unaggressive, relatively defenseless, and in constant need of care and supervision. A sheep is in constant need of its shepherd. A sheep on its own is going to be a dead sheep before too long. So it's not exactly the most uplifting message in the world to talk about how we are sheep and need to be led by a shepherd. But it does reveal something pretty significant to us about who we are and about who our God is. We are lost and helpless on our own, but our God is a God who goes with us, who guides us, leads us, and corrects us so that we might be drawn into life with him. The comfort of Psalm 23, the proclamation that no matter what I might encounter, even being on the very brink of death itself, I have nothing to fear is possible because we have a shepherd who is with us and who corrects us. The Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner points out in his commentary on this passage that the darkest valley, the shadow of death right here in verse 4, is just as much the right paths of the Lord as the green pastures and quiet waters that are mentioned at the beginning of this psalm. In both verses, in both situations in our lives, the darkest valley or green pastures and still waters, the promise is that no matter what we go through, our good shepherd goes with us and is making us more like him. So maybe the takeaway for you from this sermon is to learn to accept God's correction. 
If God truly is who we believe Him to be, that He rules over all things, He's all-knowing, He desires good for us, He desires relationship with us, that means that inevitably we will encounter situations where God calls us to something that does not make sense from our perspective. Because He is God, and we are not. He simply knows more. Like the gap in knowledge between a child and a parent, except far greater. And if that did not happen, if all God ever did was sign off on whatever you wanted to do and never had anything to say uh, contrary to that, then he would not be worthy of our worship. And so because he is worthy of our worship, as we walk in relationship with him, we will find moments where our shepherd who knows more than us will correct us, will pull us away from where we might want to go, will force us into places where we don't want to go, And as uncomfortable as that might seem in the moment, obedience is the appropriate response. The comfort of the shepherd comes through the correction of the shepherd. And we can be confident that our shepherd will comfort us because he is good. Even when we don't listen, even when we refuse correction and obedience, when we run off on our own thinking we can figure it out and making a mess of our lives and causing pain and suffering for ourselves and others, our shepherd is still good. When we stray from the path, when we're stuck and can't get out, the shepherd comes to us and finds us. He doesn't send us to the market. He doesn't have lamb for dinner that night. He doesn't beat us into submission. Jesus says in Luke 15 that when the good shepherd finds a sheep that has wandered off, He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and brings it back home. Regardless of where you are with God this morning, the call of this passage is to walk with our good shepherd. We have all been lost. We have all made a mess of our lives. But Jesus, our good shepherd, has come that we could join his flock and be brought home. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, speaking about Jesus says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When we have wandered away, Jesus died and rose again so that we could be brought back home. And because of what Christ has done, we are each invited in so that we can experience the comfort of the shepherd who guides us and corrects us. Even in the darkest and most difficult moments of life, he leads us into life with him. And we'll get to unpack that next week in the last couple verses of this psalm. Let's pray. Father, you are a good shepherd. We rejoice in that. We rejoice that no matter where we go, no matter where we are, you are with us and you are leading us. Even in the the lowest points of life, you are there with us. You have promised that you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. So God, for all of us, no matter where we might be this morning, we ask for your presence with us. We ask that you would help us be aware that you are with us, you're guiding us, you're correcting us, and help us be faithful when those moments come. Father, keep us on the paths you are guiding us on. Help us know where those paths are and help us walk on those paths well. And it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.
We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this message given by our own senior pastor, Monty French. Thank you.